Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey, and welcome to the DJE Podcast. Today we have for you something special. This is the Texas Land Beat hosted by Mr. Gaines Slade. And Gaines and DJE partnered up way back in 2020 to start buying rural Texas land. And we've made it a a major division in our company today. And so we're creating the Texas Land Beat series over the next couple of months here, where Gaines will interview experts in the land space so going to be learning things uh, like things about tax exemptions about improvements to make to your ranch all kind of things in the ranch or rural land world uh gains is with caldwell banker and runs their texas land sales division so a wealth of knowledge to be had on the texas land beat series here i've absolutely fallen in love with uh texas rural land and it's become a big part of our business and so it made sense to incorporate that here into the dje podcast so i'm going to turn it over to Gaines, and i really hope you enjoy this episode thanks all right good morning so with further ado or no further ado one or the other uh, a quick introduction to what we're bringing new to the DJE podcast. My name is Gaines Slade. I am going to be the host of this. Devin and I came up with this idea um, a couple months ago, and it took a minute to get the quality guys lined up to talk with. Um, I run the land and ranch division for Caldwell Banker here in San Antonio for Dan Harper. We've got about 14 offices, so we cover basically the hill country all the way down to uh victoria office we just opened and all the way down to the border we have a laredo office um been in been in land and ranch now going on about a decade uh and originally from alabama and so all we do is specialize in land and ranch and if you're familiar with dje uh you'll see uh some land investment opportunities and most of those um are things i'm involved in so Um, We decided to launch what this is, which will be Texas Land Beat. Uh, We're going to do one a month, and uh, so basically we'll have three a quarter, one a month, and I hope it brings some value to our listeners. Uh, We are going to delve into any and everything, some 30,000-foot views and some more dialed-in 10,000-foot views. We're going to talk any and everything Texas land, uh, ownership, ownership. how to find it, what comes with it, taxes, ag exemption, how to manage critters, how to have fun on it, how to monetize it, um, everything you can imagine. So with no further ado, the guy that I wanted to have our inaugural first conversation with is Mr. Wade Sharp. Wade is the head honcho, the man that runs the office for San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And the San Antonio office, which is a top producing office for Texas Farm Credit, Wade is has become one of my closest friends since moving out here. We are lucky enough to spend some time in the woods together uh, on his beautiful ranch down near George West. Um, we've spent a ton of time on that gorgeous place. And we chase critters around and we kind of are in the same industry. And so I thought no better guest to have on than if we're going to get into the world of land, then how do we buy it? (laughs) Right. So 
tell Wade, tell me a little bit about, we've known each other now going on, what, six, seven years, easy? Easy. Yeah. So before we get into work and business and all of that, tell me about yourself, your family. I know you live here, uh, but tell everybody listening a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about that gorgeous ranch down there. So from San Antonio, originally, well, Corpus in San Antonio, I've had a family ranch um, in George West for since 1904. It's been in my family. It was originally 6,000 acres. I think there's about four, 3,600 left that hasn't been sold off by family. Uh, I have two kids and a wife, a boy and a girl, eight and five. We spend a tremendous amount of time out there. Uh, and money. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't think of a better way to enjoy money and time with family than, you know, time in the outdoors and time on a ranch. And so we are very, very blessed for sure to be able to experience that on a basically weekendly basis. Yeah. So. And I was, I was thought about on the ride over about things we talk about. Uh, you sent me that picture or text recently with the skull mount for your little girl's first buck. We got that together. Oh, that, that was a fun memory. She 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 loves that. Like that was, <laughs> she has been on that. I I told her I would make that for her when that happened, which I guess was January of this year. So right. now we're here in October, and she's been she's been crawling up crawling up the rails trying to get me to finish that project. So I'm glad I got it done, but it did turn out good. And now, but all that did is just create more issues for me because now, like if I'm going, like for instance, I'm actually going today. She's she's like take she me out it. of school. Let's go. Let me go with you. And it's it's awesome to see. But it's also it's like you you have you still have stuff you got to do. Yeah, there are grown up responsibilities <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so uh, we went to a uh, went to a ranch in, in McCulloch County. Uh, myself, Wade, and and his little girl, my little girl, and another friend of ours who also has a little girl in that age range. And uh, his little girl shot her first buck by herself. Laid it over. He made a cool picture of us at the skin and racket. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of what we do. That's what it's about. Um, and as far as getting ground checked, um, I shot a buck uh, at the river place with my bow the other day, and, and Emmy came waddling out and dropped the tailgate, and she looked it over for a little bit, and she said, "Not big as mine," and walked off. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did she really? That's so brutal. good. That brutal. is brutal honesty. <laughs> I know from from a from a four year old, not as big as mine, daddy, and walks away. So. I don't know if I don't know if we're raising them right or wrong on that on that front, but well, good. So, got a lot of roots in Texas. Obviously, we you and I spend a ton of time outside um, on land. Uh, your business is all around land. So, I guess before we delve into the true details of you know a ranch loan and and get into that and, and start to drill down, tell me a little bit about Texas Farm Credit for someone that just has never heard of them. Okay, so Texas Farm Credit. There are uh, there are a number of farm credits, and and some states have multiple, some states have one, but we're all a part of the same system, which is a farm credit system, which is a it's you know publicly traded bond system on Wall Street. That's where our funding comes from. Uh, we're all we're all monitored by a fund a separate funding banks, and we we the all the associations in Texas report to the same funding bank. Uh, we're a co-op structured lender, so we share in our, our profits with anybody who's a member of the company. So at the end of the year, we make a large distribution that, you know, is in a, we kind of quantify it to the customer as a reduction to their interest rate. But I mean, it's truly just a, you are a stockholder, you are a member of the company and you are 
benefiting from the profitability of the company that you've partnered with is kind of how it's really when you break it down it's more like that um when it comes to lending i mean we we offer all kinds of different services from ranch loans traditional ranch loans uh transitional property which act which would be your you know your hayfield that's next door to a pulte subdivision that maybe being purchased for commercial development or or investment um, then all the way down to your bottom basic, you know, just traditional re residential loans. We can even we can even originate those. So it's a pretty wide variety of options we have through our programs. Yeah, it's taken me a couple of years because obviously we've done a bunch of business together, and the majority of my clientele are rec buying folks. I mean, mm -hmm. they're buying it to recreate on. It's usually forty acres, fifty acres, and up. And it can have a structure, it cannot have a structure. Some of them have elaborate structures, but in general, but then, you know, through our relationship and having y'all over to see our team and speak to our team, I've learned that y'all offer those different, you know, products all the way down to smaller stuff where the house or the construction loan can be rolled in. Things like the well or the or the drilling of the well, or in some cases, um, you know, the running of the power. You know, people just assume power's there. Right. Running power on a bigger place or even a smaller place, if it's not there, it's no cheap, <laughs> no yep. cheap thing. And so the, the 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 takeaway I have found when I when I talk with my clientele that are that are going to finance a place is start with a conversation. Like just have a conversation because. I have found that they just have a lot of misconceptions, especially if they're new to purchasing raw land. Um, and let's 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 delve a little deeper into that. You, you're you're on the phone with potential clients all the time. Yes. I mean, I, yeah. We, you and I, when we go in the woods, I don't know if that we're actually in the woods or if we're on our phones. <laughs> but I'd rather be doing that than not at all, right? So, um, give me give me two or three, five maybe high level repetitive um, questions or misconceptions that a new person has when they talk to you versus when they bought their house. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. just, oh, well, I thought this, or I made this assumption, and it's not that way. I think the number one you're going to run into when it comes to traditional farm and ranch financing is mm -hmm. when people have gone through the home loan process and they come for a farm and ranch loan, it's a totally different rate product. It's a totally different structure. You know, not every deal is just a 30-year fixed deal. You know, every there there are unique things about a commercial ag loan that are different. So coming into the purchasing land process, assuming you know how the lending process would go is traditionally kind of a big mistake. And there are things about the land process that's, that are easier. We're, we're a, probably a little less hard on people when it comes to underwriting standards. We Correct. can get behind uh, certain deals better because we have a good equity position. We're usually collecting a 20% down payment. That would be the number two. That's the number two. That's <laughs> the number two thing that, that the misconception is people Money assume down. they can put 5% down on yeah. land because they can do it on a home. And that actually probably should move to number one. And that's, that and that's a, in general, I know there's some flexibility there, but normally a, a good assumption is just 20%. I would assume, yeah, 20%. On the deals, uh, less than a million, you know, sometimes you can get 15%, but a lot of the times you got to get comfortable with a 15% or a 15-year payment. And yeah. everybody wants that 30-year payment. If you're on a 30-year payment, 
you're probably putting 20% down. You know, yeah. it's almost guaranteed too. So. But but like you said, it's it's not your good old-fashioned, I bought a house, standard 30-year box loan. It's it, There's a lot of in the range right, on the right. bandwidth. Okay, so that was two good ones. Give me one more that you hear consistently. I would say understanding what goes into owning land. Uh, yes. you, you run you run cash flow scenarios for people, yeah. and we don't. And it's not like a mortgage. We don't include taxes in escrow. We don't include insurance in escrow. We don't include your monthly feed and electric bill. Like you know, people. There's a there's a genuine. Like you, you think I have a land, I have an ag exempt property with very low tax exposure. The another thing, maintaining that and making sure you don't lose that can, you know, is important. But all those things, when added up, you know, on top of your land note, can mm-hmm. be an, mm-hmm. a minimum an extra ten grand a year for anybody that owns, I would say, fifty acres or more. Correct. And yeah. so there's just there's a there's a lack of preparedness for the kind of expenses that can be associated with taking care of land in a, in a, in a correct way. Now there's ways to offset those expenses, which I'm sure we'll talk about like leasing, grazing, finding ways to offset those expenses and gain some income off the property. So, uh, but generally speaking, if, if, if you have never bought land before, those are things that go completely by the wayside. And it's just like a first time home buyer. They're not necessarily thinking, you know, my shower leak or these are these problems. The AC goes out. You know, those are problems that, that people end up financing, you know, because, you know, on a, on a normal home because they didn't anticipate these kind of expenses. So you see that a lot. Uh, it's just different than owning just a normal house. Yeah. Well, and, and shameless plug the, the next, uh, gentleman we're going to have for episode two is, uh, is is Dusty Alexander, and all he talks about and he works in is the field of ag and wildlife exemption right. for taxes. So right, exactly. It, it's I'm in the business of having great guys in my phone uh, that are the expert subject topic uh, experts, and so uh, in my line of work um, in in real estate for specifically ranches, that is that has been what has taken me a good while to build that book of relationships. But so that's three good ones. I'll tell you one that I hear a lot from my end besides those three and those three you hit are right out of the gate. And, and I, and I think, um, I think again, once that ag exemption and, and we're obviously targeting properties that are ag exempt or wildlife exempt is in place, you know, the cost of holding the property, depending on what your end game is with it, if it's low fence, you know, the cost of holding it to go down and shoot some critters and ride some four-wheelers and let the kids shoot 22s is not um, prohibitive by any stretch. It's it's not like that wild, but that initial step into that, like tractors, like bush hogs, or farming that workout, you know, contracting that workout, or feeding the deer, or, oh man, these deer blinds are $5,000 a shot, and that that's been my initial thing where where guys go okay we we got to set this property up you know to yep. use it um and then we have to keep it maintained in a way where we can enjoy it you know uh, then you start talking about high fences and feed bills and that's a that's a story for another podcast slightly slightly <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about that too down the road but but in general those three are really good um another one i hear quite often is uh, a misconception of what they can generate income-wise. So why don't we go ahead and go down that road? See some of the things and, and throw some in. Some of the ways you can generate income uh, are uh, some obvious ones. Are if you're in the oil and gas play, a wind play, a solar play. But that 
that wind or solar play is going to, in a lot of cases, take your rec value off the table. Um, but the, the generic ones that aren't what I call prohibitive are going to be lease out for cattle, um, which, I mean, at the end of the day, unless you have a really large acreage, that's just corn money. Right. And, and I think that washes over people sometimes. They think, oh, well, if I lease it out for cattle and maybe have a deer hunter or two on here, I can, I can help make my notes. Right. I Not mean, we much. get that. We get that quite a bit, you yeah. know, as, as people come in for loans and they say, you kind of look at the thing, at their picture and, you know, how are you going to pay for this? And they say, well, this is how. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, A, we can't project income off the property to pay for the loan, but B, that is not a good idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the expenses around running, especially when you talk about more specialized, the more specialized the facility, you know, the harder it is to make of course. money off of it. However, you can make money like uh, our place, you know, we get it, we get our taxes are paid for and plus a large portion of our feed by our cattle guy and he's there to help work, but we have 900 acres. Uh, You know, we don't, we don't lease to hunters. That's another way to pay, but then you're sacrificing a little bit of the recreational, you know, enjoyment of of your property, which is what we use ours for, but not everybody does. And so there are ways to help cash flow. but when you're talking about a serious land note, yeah, you know, you got to be prepared yeah. to come out of your own cash flow for yeah, those things. It's going to, like you just said, you know, your cattle guy pays for what you feed the deer. Right. Yeah, right. If you're lucky. Right. So I, I, I hear that a lot from very novice entry level folks. Again, guys, a lot of this podcast uh, is going to start 30,000. And as we progress in episodes, we're going to drill deeper and deeper. We'll have Wade back because we're going to keep these in the 30 minute range. We're not going to overwhelm uh, the, the, the listeners. Um, I want to drill down as we go, and as, and as the listeners' um, knowledge base grows, we'll go deeper into things. We could be here until Friday talking to him about all the things they offer. But So we've talked about a little bit about some sticker shock things to expect, some common things you hear all the time. I know some of these answers, and, and I've seen them in real time. Why is it important? for somebody and synergistic for their experience to use a lending firm that is basic in land, comfortable with land. Tell me about how that, I know why, but tell the the listeners why that's important to make their experience better. I think I'd start with, I can not tell you how many how many deals, loans, or people have come to me in the 95th hour of a closing day before closing and because a traditional lender or even their personal bank something happened right at closing upon reviewing a title policy or or whatever they were doing that destroyed a loan for Mm -hmm. them and then now they're having to start over on a new clock with a new lender they don't know if they're approved they're having to start completely over i'd say the number one reason why you you work with a specialized land lender is you technically are not going to run the risk of that. We are, that is, this is what we do. I mean, loans to to traditional banks can blow up simply because the property is ag exempt. Like if that is something they're not comfortable with. Or familiar with. Right. Or familiar with. That's what I keep. They think it jeopardizes their lien position. There are, there are reasons why they can't get comfortable with, well, this is all we do. So you're taking a whole element of surprise out of your transaction or your purchase if you're working with a specialized lender in ag and like 
recreational property Agreed. rather than just your your traditional bank. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I get a front row view of it, um, and and it it's so prevalent that I just about drag people kicking and screaming. Uh, if your lender, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, everybody that most, not everybody, the majority of, of the folks that I deal with that are in a position to have what we consider a second or third property than their, than their home, their homestead, um, you know, they're, they're, they've usually danced the dance some, just not with land. And what I have found is if your lender Frost, you know, name a bank that that's not comfortable with land, and some are. Let's let's just say that, but so many aren't. Right. If you're getting things like, huh, or we we don't do that a lot, or we don't have a lot of products for that, these are the initial red flags to step off and have a conversation with someone that this is what they do. I mean, I'll, I'll use a micro example, uh, coming off the thirty thousand foot level and drilling down a little bit, appraisers. It, we have oh, how many times have we example. seen? Yeah, like your bank does a couple land deals a year, if any, and they go dig up an appraiser for your loan who ha- has a Lexus and drives over and goes and does mostly um, residential subdivisions. And lo and behold, your property doesn't appraise. I cannot tell you how often that's happened. And if they had just gone with someone, your guys, the, the people y'all sub out to for that, that's all they do. Right. They know where to find the comps. They know how to value a well and a solar well and a good fence. And It goes back to that. This is what, what people don't realize is this is a specialized thing they're it's doing. It's a niche. And that's why there's niche products for it. That's why there's niche appraisers that. for it. Yep. And in trying to treat it with a broad brush is not does is just not how you can you can look at it. It may work sometimes, mm-hmm. but on the whole, everybody would save themselves a tremendous amount of stress or problems just sticking with the niche, right? Like yep. you're you're not nearly as at risk for issues when you're when everybody's in that box. If I that couldn't agree more. And I use the analogy when I'm sitting in listing <laughs> appointments. So often I said, listen, there's a reason that this is all I do. There's a reason that the Texas Real Estate Commission has a farm and ranch contract. Right, right. It's a exactly. niche. They, they, we don't write up our contracts on the same thing that a you know a single family home does right. uh, in the subdivision over at the Dominion. Like it doesn't work that way. And and my marketing and and all of my avenues and the tools I have to sell your ranch aren't the same as those people. Why would the lender be any different? Right. It's not. And I. At that, at this point in my career, I, I just have an outright blunt conversation with folks before we go shopping, and, and just say you you need to get fully comfortable with this situation, uh, and deal with somebody that deals in land because if not, it is a bumpy road. It's a lot, and it another thing we didn't touch on, it almost always takes exponentially longer to get to the finish line. Sure. They're digging up appraisers. They're not, like you said, they're not comfortable with what comes back in Schedule B. They're just... Always a huge back and forth. It is. It is tough. So if you take anything from this uh, lead-off podcast is this is a niche for a reason. And there's a reason that companies of this size uh, live in that space. Speaking of size, how many... We kind of cart before horse this question. How many offices do y'all have? Brick and mortars. Uh, Right now we have 20. 
Right, so, and you're here in San Antonio, right? I'm San Antonio. 1604? Our, our, yep, our central office is in uh, Corpus, Robstown, and we have another really big like office hub in Brenham, which is kind of more centralized to all of our offices. But we cover 100 and 104 counties, I think, in Texas for, for commercial territory, like commercial ag loans, and then our residential can pretty much go anywhere. So. And y'all are partnered. The last thing I wanted to touch on, and, and again, we, we, this won't be the last time we have Wade on. Um, and side note, anybody listening that has questions for Wade, we'll have links to get in touch with me, and we'll get those answered for you. Um, one thing I did want to ask, you guys have partnerships with other folks that can even lend on equipment and stuff, Correct. We do um, farm credit leasing, and we ourselves can actually make loans on equipment. I will say, uh, buying a brand new John Deere tractor, a lot of the times you can go to the dealership and get zero five. But for used equipment, we're a pretty good resource. And our our farm credit leasing, it's a lease to own. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of tax benefits in a lease to own situation for equipment. You get to fully you know, write off your lease uh, expenses for their, during the period of your lease, and then you just own the machinery. I mean, it's just a similar, it's similar in a way to depreciation, but it, you can you can take it accelerated, and there's there's benefits to doing it, leasing to own your own equipment as well. But we have a ton of options for it. I mean, I'm talking like anything from, I've built, I've had 18 wheelers done for my customers that they built custom for their businesses through wow. farm credit leasing. Okay. And so, I mean, you can, I'm talking from 18 wheelers to excavators. If it's for generally yeah. an agricultural use, uh, we can find a way to do it, which is pretty unique. So nice. Last thing I want to talk about on this one, uh, you, you touched on this in the beginning about how it's, um, the, the way the company structured Texas farm credit. Talk to me about <clears throat> on how the the end of the year patronage comes back. How does that work? Okay, so you now tell <laughs> tell it to me like I'm a third grader because you know that ain't my story. Right, so. right. In the most basic <laughs> sense, um, we're a board managed company, and so our our financials are submitted to our board at the end of the year. The board gets together. We they determine what level of distribution that we can make to all of our customers. And when I say all of our customers, that's every member of our company that owns stock. So essentially anybody who has a loan is going to get this distribution. And it's anywhere from a percent to 1.4% that you're that it's going to reduce the interest rate on your loan um, based on our historical performance. So I don't know if, you know, a lot of people, it's it's rare to work with a co-op these days. Some, some electrical companies are co-ops. Mm-hmm. My internet providers a co-op so i get one free bill every year they just take my they just take my dividend and credit it to my bill we actually pay the dividend in cash to the customer we don't just credit it to their bill so they can use it for christmas money or vacation money or whatever they want to do with it um but it's it's pretty yeah it's reliable and and it's kind of like a built-in savings account and some of these larger loans i mean people are getting in ex- excess of $100,000 a year on these five, 10, mm-hmm. $15 million loans, you know, that are receiving dividends back. So, you know, uh, I'd say that you're, it's about a monthly payment on average that you get back. So it, it does kind of net out to a, a re- getting a payment back, but we actually do pay it back in cash so people can do what they want with it. So, nice. Yeah. So it's actually landing in your mailbox. Right. It is landing in your mailbox, a, a check. So Outstanding. Well, I, I think um, we'll wrap there. We'll definitely have Wade back down the line because there's a whole nother level 
of this to go into. Uh, the takeaway for today is, uh, hopefully for the listeners, and I'll, and I'll link everything on how to get in touch with Wade, is if you're thinking about land and you're not going to be in the cash realm, you're going to be in the, in the finance realm, starts with a conversation. And uh, Wade is a super top producer for, for the firm um, and is always available. Uh, I spend a lot of time with him, and uh, he's one of those guys that's so important. He has two cell phones. <laughs> so he's, he's always available. He's kind of like me. Um, he's always there to have that initial conversation. If you're in the San Antonio area, you can get with him, um, you know, over there off of 1604 by Paisano's in that business park. But we're going to link everything for Texas Farm Credit and how to get in touch with him. Uh, but the punchline on that is it starts, like most things in life, with a conversation. So, yep, no hey, doubt. thanks for the time. And of it, enjoy the MK. I'm uh, a little jealous. <laughs> All right. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks, Gaines. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to DJETexas.com. <laughs>